the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Grace Church, Dumfries, Virginia. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, where we are real people with real lives experiencing real change. Please visit us at gracechurchva.org to find this message and more about grace and how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and believe that his word calls for us to live big. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live the big, full life that God has for you. Here's Dr. Greer. This week we are continuing our series on the authority of Scripture, the authority of the Bible. And today, like last week, it's a little more informational and devotional than motivational. And we need all of these things to be well-rounded and grounded in the truth of God's Word. So as we minister this morning, I want you to think and process, and, and uh, we're going to plow some new ground. And uh, I think you're going to leave here, I know you're going to leave here with a deeper grasp on some things. And let, let's get started. I'm going to pray, and then we'll do it. Father, we thank you for your Word. We'd be nowhere without it. We need it. And we thank you for it. Now, Father, help us uh, learn from it today. And we'll give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. Last week we were in 2 Peter. And actually we've been dealing with the landmark scriptures on the inspiration of scripture. Verse 16, all scripture. Paul did not say some scripture. Now, biblical authors had different areas of revelation, but not different levels of inspiration. That's really, really important. Just as a teacher can accurately uh, uh, teach math in one subject, but another may focus on English. Uh, neither of them are, are, are necessarily less capable, but they just have uh, uh, different areas of focus. And we find that with the writers of Scripture. All Scripture, meaning the whole, uh, uh, all of it, uh, the, the whole uh, lotus of it, if you will. All Scripture is given by inspiration. Literally, it means all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, breath and wind is, is unusual in that um, it can be felt but not seen. And that, that's a special thing here. And when he talks about Scripture, he says that, you know what, what I did with that book can be felt but not necessarily seen. Meaning when you open your Bible, you don't see the Holy Spirit sitting there. Uh, you, you don't necessarily see Jesus literally speaking the words that were spoken or, or the other authors. So what does the Bible mean? What does the, the New Testament authors mean when they talk about the breath of God carrying them as they wrote? Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 
and verse 13. Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Paul was absolutely convinced that God had given him the message that he proclaimed and preached, but he was still wise enough and humble enough to confirm the accuracy of his message by looking at the other scriptures. Now watch what he says here. It's really important because if you read this at home, you probably just skip over it and go to the next portion of scripture. But what he says here is really important. He says, comparing spiritual things with what? Spiritual. We measure spiritual things by other spiritual things. I went to the Secret Service's website, and I wanted to see what was uh, their recommendation on how to discover a counterfeit. And the first thing they say on that website is uh, in order to, to, to detect counterfeit money, what you have to do is compare the suspect note with the genuine note. And only through comparison can you really understand or notice and see the difference. A great example is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a great milk drinker, at least growing up in particular. And, I, you know, I, I drink a lot of milk. And if you're a milk drinker, you have a good sense of what milk's supposed to taste like. So often if you're dealing with sour milk or milk that's beyond its expiration date, even before it gets down your throat, it hits your nose and you smell. That's not what milk is supposed to smell like. And even if it gets to your mouth, you immediately begin to, to, to spit it out because you know that that's not what milk is supposed to take. Why? Because you know what fresh milk tastes like. And because you know fresh milk, you can discern spoiled milk. Does that make sense? So here we're learning that in order to know the pure truth of God's Word, you have to first expose yourself to it to discern anything different than that. So if you're in the truth and, and listening to the teaching of Jesus, it'll be so much easier. I mean, if, if you're in the book, you're, you're learning what God says, and then if, if, if something of a different spirit comes and communicates, it should become obvious because you know the genuine. And you compare the genuine with the, the counterfeit, it becomes more distinguishable. He says this, comparing spiritual things, it says comparing, right, with spiritual. So we must always compare what we think God is saying to us today with what we know the Holy Spirit has said through Jesus and the apostles in times past. And if it is God, the consistent, the, the message will be consistent. It's not a different spirit. We don't have a different Holy Spirit from age to age to age. It's the same spirit that was on Christ that ministered through the apostles that we're dealing with today. 2 Timothy 3 and 16. Are you okay with the information so far? All Scripture, the entitled, uh, the, the locus of this book is given by inspiration of God. God breathed into each author's heart as they wrote. Each author was like a various colored pen moved by divine grip. They had their own personalities, but nonetheless, God's hand was behind the things they wrote. All Scripture, it says, is what? Given. Meaning this Bible, this book we read, is an absolute gift. It's not a burden. Some people look at it as a burden, but we understand that it's actually what? A gift. And it's given by inspiration of whom? God. Now here's the basic premise 
that all of us stand on who, who, who believe in Scripture. How many in this room believe that God cannot err? Yeah. If God is God, he can't improve upon himself. If he's God, he cannot make a mistake. God knows absolutely everything before there was anything. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. There'd be no earth if it wasn't for him. And believe me, he has figured out everything he has created. So we, we all agree that God can err. So here is the syllogism. Here's the basic rationale or the logic behind uh, the position of the writers of Scripture as well as those of us in this room. If God cannot err, and these men wrote down what God showed them, we can only conclude that what they recorded is also without error, that this book is solid. If God gave them the message and they accurately recorded the message, this book stands up against all opposition and criticism as the word of the living God. And then it goes on, and the book is profitable. Meaning the Bible was not intended just to decorate our nightstand or our bookshelves. It says here that the, the Bible is really only made profitable, helpful, or advantageous in its use. In the book, it really, you know, I know people, you know, some people, you don't want to dirty the book. Don't, don't ever put it on the floor. Listen, th bring, th this book needs to be in your heart. I, I could care less about the literal book. Some of us have it on computer. Some of us uh, uh, have it in hard copy. Some of us have different, uh, various translations of it. But it, it does me no good being in a book. This New Testament is to be written on my heart. And... and the goal of Sundays and, and Wednesdays, what we do corporately and what we do privately, is to get from the pages of this book the meaning into our hearts. So it says here that Scripture is profitable. And the first thing it mentions it's profitable for is doctrine, meaning Scripture shows us the absolute truth. The second thing it says the Bible's good for, profitable for, is profitable for reproof, which means uh, Kind of, it's a word that really speaks of rebuke. It, the Bible tends us to expose our rebellion. When, when Scripture says to go right, there's something often that rises up and says go left. And, and by virtue of God giving clear uh, instructions, sometimes things rise up in us that God has to deal with. The third thing mentioned is the Bible is profitable for correction, meaning Scripture has the inherent power in itself to fix our mistakes. It has capacity to fix what's broken. So why is this book profitable? Because it can fix what's broken. It can fix and correct things that have gone wrong in our thinking, in our lives, in our behaviors, etc. Then it goes on. It says it's also profitable for instruction in righteousness. This book is the ultimate training manual, instructing us how to live God's way. Now, we could have invented a lot of ways and say, you know, that's the way God wants us to live. But this book came so there'd be no question about it. Now, by way of review, last week, we real quickly, we talked about uh, uh, what, 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 what Peter said. We were in uh, uh, Peter, and, and, and we discovered, you know, what he said about Scripture in general. And it was important. But I want to take a, a moment today to take a look at what not only Peter says about Scripture, but also what Peter says about Paul. Why is that important? Because Paul wrote much of this New Testament. Some would say half, some others would say one-third. But it's a measurable, it's a sizable portion of this Bible was written by a man that was not one of the original 12 disciples. Some people get upset by that fact and say, well, why didn't one of the 12 do it? Because God knows exactly what he's doing. He, he, yeah, he does. 
He wanted people to understand that you didn't have to be one of the 12 to be used by him. So he said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to use you all for some things. But, but I don't want us to become so exclusive that people's like, I have to be an apostle to really hear God. I, I have to be one of the 12. No, no. I want everyone to understand that, that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon each and every individual, and I can guide each and every individual into truth as I see fit. So let's go to 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Listen to Peter's words about Paul. First, he's going to uh, finish a thought, and then we're going to go on to a new thought. He says, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. We've covered that in the past, but let's move on. As also our beloved brother, Paul. Peter and Paul, well, Peter considered Paul uh, uh, a brother in the cause of Christ. They, they were not competitors. They were, were not fighting with each other. They did have moments of disagreement. As men, they had to deal with each other. But when it came to the doctrine and the truths that were, were taught, they were in absolute and perfect agreement. Then it says, according to the wisdom given. Is that what it says? Now, Paul was one of the most intelligent, intellectual. He was an absolute genius. He's a brilliant man. But the things we read in Scripture are not a result of his intellect. I think his intellect helped him understand the revelation, but that the revelation was not a result merely of his mind. His revelation was a product of his gifting. It says, according to the wisdom given. So again, everything he wrote was the product of a divine gift given to the apostle Paul. According to the wisdom given to him, he has written to you. Now he's talking about the, the, the graphic, the written word of God, not just the spoken word. And then it says, as also in all his epistles. So Peter is now talking about Paul's epistles or letters. And watch what he says. Speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Now, Scripture, the Bible is a book about the plans, the thoughts, the heart, and the mind of the almighty, absolute, I mean, transcendent God. So it shouldn't be surprising that every now and then we'll stumble upon a, a, a scripture that, that it just takes a little time for us to understand it and make sense of it. And, and some folks, you know, say, that, you know, I, I don't want to read the Bible because it's too hard to understand. No, 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 no. First of all, you, you don't, don't be arrogant. You got to realize who you're learning from. I mean, he's not, your, this is not a two-year-old that wrote this book. This is the God of the universe. Okay, let me, let me back up. If you had a, an opportunity to spend an evening with Einstein, and over dinner, you wanted him to, to talk about all the, the theory of relativity, all these incredible things that, that he had on his mind and he had thought through, do you really think that you were going to be able to understand everything he says? As he says, of course not. Of course not. That, but, but Einstein is just Einstein. All Einstein did was discover some things. God is the creator of everything. So, of course, some dis conversations and something said by God is going to take human beings a minute to wrap their heads around, to understand and discern. So just because it's a hard saying doesn't mean it's a wrong saying. He says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which 
are some things, some, not everything. Some things are just real, you know, but some things take a minute. Hard to understand, which untaught people. He's talking about folks who haven't invested adequate um, uh, time, care, or prayer into really learning the scriptures of this book, but they get behind a podium anyway. How many of y'all know some folks like that? And then it goes on. Not just the untaught and unstable people. He's talking about people who can't handle complexity. People who can't handle shades. Folks with unresolved emotional issues that, 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 that because they got all this stuff going on, on the inside, just the slightest level of freedom they use to sabotage themselves and hurt themselves. I mean, if it's not written down in the book, I mean, if it's not clear, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, don't, you, you just want to be under, you know, you just everything, you know, laid out like that and, and you know, and, and you're not comfortable if it's not and, and that's just the way you want to live. You have an emotional problem. Jesus didn't walk like this. He didn't do that. That's the 70s. That was a robot that started it. But, but he didn't walk like that. He flowed. And, and he was comfortable in himself. And, and there's certain people that start trying to answer things that the Bible don't answer. Leave it alone. Start giving rules where the Bible don't give none. Do you understand? And then undermining rules that are crystal clear. Which untaught, unstable people twist to their own. You're not hurting God. Maybe it's hard, but he's going to keep being God even after you act a fool. Twist to their own destruction. The problem is never the scriptures, but people's twisting of them. I, uh, people told me that the Bible endorsed uh, slavery. People told me that... Uh, uh, the Bible oppresses women, but then I read it. It's important to know this book for yourself. As they do also the rest of the scriptures. It says also, right? It says rest, right? By Peter saying the rest of scripture, Peter was including Paul's writing as scripture. So in Paul's, I might have got the names mixed up. I do that sometimes. But in Paul's lifetime, Peter said this man was writing scripture. Now, Peter was the individual that was tasked by Christ. He said, listen, Peter, upon that revelation of me as the Christ, I will build my church upon it. Peter was the chief disciple Peter had walked with Jesus, had slept just feet from Jesus, had eaten with Jesus, had uh, watched Jesus minister, watched Jesus do miracles, watched him pray, had had conversations with Jesus. Peter knew Jesus and the spirit that was on Jesus. We could say it this way. Peter knew milk. And part of Peter's assignment, after he spent three and a half years learning milk, was after that point, point out anything that was sour. So for Peter, who walked with Jesus, I mean, listen, on the Mount of Transfiguration, come on, I mean, Jesus shone as bright as the sun. I mean, there, he was in meetings where the power of God was on people so strong, people didn't know what to do. Demons started screaming out, and people just started getting healed, and all types of things started happening. He was in that environment. So if anyone knew the Holy Spirit, 
It was Apostle Peter. But what does Peter do? He basically lays his hand on Apostle Paul. He says, that man, I know the Holy Spirit. I know the truth of God's word. Jesus was not just preaching a message. He was the message. In fact, the reason why there couldn't really be prophets in the time of Jesus, and they couldn't really function anyway because, in any way, because all a prophet does is really point to Jesus. So if the master's in the room, what's a prophet got to say? Except... So Peter had been trained, all the disciples, but when Jesus spoke, he was speaking for the 12. He he was trained in the divine, in the genuine. So if anyone needed to mark Paul as a counterfeit, it would have been that apostle. But instead, he called what he wrote the rest of scriptures. So it's clear that these apostles were not just writing letters or trying to write good books. They recognized that they were recording the very words of the Almighty God. Let's listen to the message, John 12 and 49. Now, Jesus was God taken on flesh, but he was 100% man, as well as 100% God. And in that, he had a thought process. And I want you to listen to the master's thought process behind the words that are said here. He said, for I have not spoken on my own authority. Now, many that would, well, some that would read that would say, well, Jesus is is basically saying the Father is more God than himself. Not necessarily so. A triangle, let's put it this way, a pyramid has an apex. That apex is the top of the pyramid. A pyramid has too many sides, a triangle. But nonetheless, in that triangle, there's the same essence, the same space that makes it the triangle. Everything on the inside of the triangle is shared. But there are three points or three persons. God, you see, God is other. He's not creation. And since he existed outside and before creation, all our analogies of his being is going to be a little bit difficult. In fact, folks that think they got down the definition of God's being uh, uh, really, 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 really well, I question it. Because how is it that creation can so easily grasp something as perplexed as always? I mean, how do you really define always? I know right now, and I know some of my past, and I'm hoping about my future, but who knows always? How do you define always? God in himself was three persons. St. Augustine said that God is love, but in order for God to love, he had to have someone in himself to love. Remember, there's no creation yet. God is just in himself. And then there had to be that bond of love, a spirit of love between them. So even Augustine, you know, all that doesn't explain everything, but it is an explanation that God was in himself complete, happy, doing well before there was anybody, anything, anyone. He was having conversations. See, God is relational. The Bible said God is love. If he's relational and had no one to love, he was in solitary confinement, which is not good for a relational person, meaning he was in hell before he had creation. God was complete in himself always. 
And when he created creation, he just created us as a bonus. Not because he needed us, but because he wanted to love somebody else beside himself. So Jesus here is talking, and he's so secure. I like this about the master. You know, a lot of people, I ain't submitting nobody. I'm not going to call nobody. No, 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 no. I'm a, you know, I got to be in a first name basis. I got to pull everybody down. But keep insecure. Stop it. Jesus knew who he was. But in the Godhead, there was unity, but there was also order. Even in the home, the Bible did not say the man or the husband is the boss of the house. That's not what it said. You got to read your Bible better. It said he's the head of the house. Meaning the ultimate responsibility in the house is on the man. And we've talked about this before. God gave man authority in the house, but he gave woman influence. If I had to choose between the two, I'd rather influence and not have to deal with the responsibility. But y'all fighting, y'all fighting to do, I mean, why y'all fighting? Nobody wants this. Listen, when a husband and wife get divorced, you know, the first person God's going to go to is not the wife. It's the man with responsibility. It's the fellow. Jesus is part of the Godhead, but he humbles himself. He's not insecure. It's like, it doesn't make me less than humble to you, Father. The Holy Spirit's not fighting with the Father. I want to be on the top. No, I want to be on the top. You know, the, 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 the Trinity just, I mean, the, the pyramid just flipping around. All, no. It's not happening. There's humility. You are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Derek Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yuramitu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.